Hi, welcome to Bread. We're an open-minded, spirit-filled, non-denominational church. This summer, we're slowing down to talk from the heart. These talks aim at nourishing our faith in Jesus and helping us return to the simplicity of the gospel so that we can live freely and lightly into the purposes God has for us. We hope you enjoy these summer talks. And give it up for the worship band. Come on. They're beautiful people. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Bread. My name's Nellie, if I haven't met you. It's great to have you. Um, great to have you on the video stream that's happening. We always say, uh, you come to bread on your own terms. So glad you found us, and um, we're happy you're here. So as a quick introduction to me, uh, if you were here last week and you heard Ed's sermon on the second half of his talk on giving and generosity, it was awesome. If you missed it, you should listen to it on the podcast. You might have known um, that Ed really doesn't like golf. And I honestly think he's trolling me a bit. And since he's not here, I'm just going to mention it. Um, I don't know why he hates golf so much, but uh, I think he's trolling me because this is me when I was three. So cute, right? What a champ. And then this is me again at 19, <laughs> playing golf in uni. Yeah, I'm not sure why he hates golf so much. Like, Ed, who hurt you? on the golf course. You can get some prayer for that. Um, honestly, I only like golf when I'm winning, so if you wanna go play and try to beat me, let's do it. So quick change of subject. I saw on the Instagrams this past weekend that Raul and Noah were having a very serious Lego building extravaganza, and I saw it was like a Volkswagen bus or something. It looked very impressive. Lots of building, lots of fun. Um, and today we're also going to talk about Legos, sort of. Um, okay, we're not going to talk about Legos, but we are going to talk about uh, a bit on building and rebuilding as it relates to our faith. So I'm going to hop around in the Bible a little bit today, but we're going to start off in this book that you may have never opened called Zechariah. Zechariah is um, a crazy prophetic book. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, it's one of the minor prophets. And it's filled with these wild visions that Zechariah the prophet had at, at night, really. Um, these are like night visions. And they're wacky. They're crazy visions. Um, but he was getting some pretty clear words from the Lord, specifically for the people of God as they were coming out of exile. And the whole idea was they had been in exile and then they were going to return to their city. They were trying to return to Jerusalem, but the city had been demolished by Babylon in 587. So they're returning to a city that had been taken down uh, by invaders, like brick by brick, Lego brick by Lego brick. And so now they had to think about what it would be like to return there. And Zechariah says this, um, well, this is from Zechariah uh, chapter 1. Tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. 
return to me, and I will return to you. Now, without going into the entirety of the book, because we don't have that much time, I'd really like to use this as a frame for today's talk, um, because Zechariah was someone who was encouraged, who encouraged God's people to rebuild, like intentionally, not just to go back into the city that was demolished and try to find their way and figure it out, but he was encouraging them, you actually have to rebuild in a particular way. And this went beyond just rebuilding the Lego blocks of like the temple and their buildings and their places where they would live. First, they had to rebuild something much more important, and that was their hearts before God. So Israel had to see about this very practical matter, right, um, of reconnecting again to their God and getting that relationship reset. And many of us are in that same space today. We're in that same process of rebuilding and maybe even returning to God after a time of weirdness or maybe what feels like exile. So what we're going to talk about today is all about reconnection and rebuilding that relationship. Now, I want to carefully name, just state the obvious, that some of us might be coming back to church after what maybe even feels like a COVID exile, like a time of isolation. Maybe some of you haven't even come back. You're just listening on the podcast. And I, I want to just name that here at Bread, we want to be friends with you as you're in the process of figuring out what it looks like for you to come back from that isolation. And we're glad that you're here. Other of us, others of us might be actually like figuring out the pieces of disassembling our faith after a number of years, or maybe having grown up with Christianity. And you may have like the elements of the faith like at your feet, like a bunch of Legos that you're still trying to figure out what to do with. Maybe you've put some aside and you thought, I don't actually know if this is from God. This might have been from my cultural upbringing, or this might have been a little toxic. And others, you're trying to figure out like what actually belongs here. And when you're ready, we want to tell you that here at Bread, we want to be part of that process of seeing you rebuild the Lego, Lego blocks and putting the pieces back together. But for all of us, we all want to learn how to return to God, right? How to reconnect with him in a healthy way, in a way that breathes beautiful things back into our lives, things like rest, things like hope, things like confidence that comes from having a vibrant connection with the Lord. Maybe none of that is really resonating with you and you're like, I'm fine. I've been trucking along with the Lord for a while. But somewhere deep in the back of your mind, you know that there are times when like the check engine light is coming on in your heart and you know maybe you need to Relook at your connection with the Lord to get things right. I have something for you as well, so hang on. So here's some more framing for you. Um, when I was praying about what to speak today, we're in a summer series before we get to um, a whole new um, like fall series, and um, Ed and Hannah were like, whatever the Spirit puts on your heart, that's what you should share. When I was praying about what to share, this this song kept coming back to my mind from childhood, and I'm quite certain none of you 
know it. Well, maybe you do. It's from the 80s. It was like this song about the Lord's name being a strong tower. Where's Ben? He might know it. Ben, do you remember that song? The name of the Lord is like the strong tower. Okay, I'm not going to sing it. It's from Proverbs. And um, the verse is, the Lord's name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and find refuge. And this just kept resonating. It just kept going on in my mind as I was praying about what to share. And I study Hebrew. I'm in an Old Testament program at Fuller. And um, one thing that's really interesting is that word that's translated to find refuge has a few different facets of meaning. It also means to be made safe, almost like to be forced to be safe or to be defended. Here's a slide of a famous tower in uh, Greece, in Thessaloniki. Have you noticed, by the way, that everyone and their mother's brother is like vacationing in Greece right now? <laughs> I wish it was me. Shout out to my Greek homies that are here. <laughs> the name of the Lord is like a strong tower. God's people can run into it and find safety. We can run into it and be defended literally running into him to get a massive embrace. One thing I love about that song that we sang during worship, I want to dwell in your house always. I started getting teary thinking about how God is like not just a tower, but like a safety of home for us. But how we actually have to go into the door. We have to take the steps to be with him in that. When I was really little, like seven or eight, my mom taught me this one thing about the name of the Lord. She taught me that there's no other name in all of heaven and earth than the name of Jesus, and that there's power in his name. So she taught me to pray like on my knees by my bedside, and I loved doing that with her. That really shaped me as a kid. I think it actually really helps to get on your knees sometimes and pray. Sometimes I still do this. But as she taught me that the name of the Lord is like a strong tower, that Jesus' name is powerful, I took that to the bank, as kids are wont to do. I was basically like, okay, well, I'm going to use this. So when I would have, like, awful nightmares, which kids have, I would be in the dream, and I would just start saying Jesus' name. I would say, Jesus, 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 and I would wake up saying his name, and it would snap me out of the nightmare. Just saying his name was like an escape from a bad dream. I think the Lord led me to this old song about the name of the Lord being like a strong, safe tower to remind you that you're not alone. That if you're finding yourself totally overwhelmed by life, or maybe, honestly, maybe you're like living in a bad dream right now, that's what it feels like, that the creator of the universe wants nothing more than to lead you out of that to be with you in it and to tangibly show you his love and safety. 
I had this strong picture for us this morning. So if you don't mind, close your eyes if you feel like it and just receive this. Imagine this with me. It's like Jesus himself has set a table for you. I imagine him as a zany and creative and like insanely hospitable chef in this picture with the most ludicrously large, luscious table of food before you. And he's preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies, in the middle of whatever you're struggling with right now. And the Spirit of God is whispering from somewhere in the room, there will always be enough. There will always be enough. I want to be near you. And he's not only serving you at a banquet table, but he's anointing your head with oil, which is crazy because in the Old Testament, the only people who got their heads anointed were God's very anointed ones, like kings. And it's like he's reminding you that in his sight, you are a king, you are a queen, because you're made in God's image. Because the sacrifice of Jesus has given us that royal lineage. Just imagine that banquet table in front of you. Okay, you can open your eyes if you want now. Isn't that beautiful? We were created to not just give, but to receive from the Lord in this way. Even in the midst of our pain, and even in the midst of what feels like a nightmare. He created us to walk into every room and to be like his little emissaries, bringing with us safety and hope and love and creative solutions to systemic problems that even our city hasn't figured out how to handle. We were made to dwell in this sort of possibility, and it happens when we're reconnected with the source, when we're reconnected with the Lord, and we stay connected with him. I just think it's wild that uh, we were made this way, that we were made to be filled with wonder. Um, if you were here a handful of weeks ago, I was talking about how the Garden of Eden reminds us of this, that we were made to be creative and to enjoy the earth that God's given us, and we're made to be overflowing with the kind of hope that comes only with being connected with the Lord. It reminds me of this poem from Emily Dickinson, which I'll put up. You might have read this before. It's one of my favorites. I've tried to memorize it throughout my life. But a really quick poetic note so you're not confused. This word gambrels is like a word for a roof. It's a type of roof. It goes like this. I dwell in possibility a fairer house than prose, more numerous of windows, superior for doors, of chambers as the cedars, impregnable of eye, and for an everlasting roof, the gambrels of the sky, of visitors the fairest for occupation, this, the spreading wide my narrow hands to gather paradise. If you're a history nerd, you can go to the Huntington Library and actually see this like scribbled out in an archive, like in her handwriting. 
Here's the thing. If your hands feel like they're tied or they feel like, Nellie, I'm not able to gather paradise. I can barely gather my rent for the month. And you feel like the possibility of holding hope in this way feels impossible. This is for you. We're going to talk together about what it looks like to really rebuild connection with the Lord, to get to this place where we're in a space of just sort of childlike hope, where when you're in the middle of something awful, you can remember the name of the Lord is like a strong tower and, and say Jesus' name in the midst of it, kind of like me in that nightmare. Some of that has to do with reordering our habits, um, and we'll get to that soon. One of the things that I am blown away by is how God restrains his power. And so I just need to say this. It just blows my mind that we can even talk to God. Do you ever think about this? That Think about it. The most potent, most powerful being in the entire universe, the one who spoke all of creation, every planet, every star, every part of the universe and the cosmos into existence with his breath, that we can talk to him, that we can have like a relationship with him and we're not consumed, we're not like vaporized talking to him. (laughs) But you know what? I also love that there's times when God does not restrain his power but actually unapologetically shows it off where he shows off his strength in order to liberate us. So for example, you probably know this story. So in the story of Exodus, God's people were profoundly oppressed by Pharaoh in Egypt. And at just the right time, after Moses warned Pharaoh many, many times, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, whoa, let my people go. (laughs) I think it was louder than that, but. At just the right time, Moses leads them out of Egypt on foot. And the story goes that the whole nation of Israel is walking or probably running at some point, and they're trying to escape Pharaoh and his army, but they get to the Red Sea and they have to stop. There's no other way to go. And they have a decision to make. (laughs) And then at that time, God supernaturally parts the waters so that they can walk through on dry ground and escape. And against all odds, they do escape. I mean, this is a crazy story. And when they get to the other side and they watch their captors drowning as the waters crash down on them, they start to form this song in their collective imaginations that they would write down and then sing. And that song is in Exodus 15. It's called the Song of the Sea. And it says that after they crossed through the Red Sea, even Miriam, who was called a prophet, Moses' sister, took the tambourines and started leading, dancing as they sang this song. I used to grow up in a church where, like, everybody had a tambourine. It was kind of amazing. I keep trying to get Ed to do it. He's he's not into it, but maybe one day. Pretty epic. So they're singing this lovely song, and they're celebrating what God had done at the Red Sea, and it's this one part that I want to highlight. This is from Exodus 15, 13. 
In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. This is from the song. Okay, it's right in the middle of the song. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Guys, it's God's love that leads us back into connection with him. It's God's love that leads us into liberation and into wholeness. And it's God's love that's leading us to safety. This song was all about how they were liberated. They didn't have to wade, doggy paddle through the sea trying to get away from their captives, captors. They didn't have to get stuck in the seaweed and the nastiness of the Dead Sea or the Red Sea. God made a way out. It was God's, it was God's initiation. It was his idea. And honestly, I, I believe that that's just as much true for us today as it was for the Israelites in Exodus. The reality is, though, that we're not promised freedom from struggle and pain, right? You know, like even, even Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Like, we're going to have in front of us what feels like seas of impossibility at times, red seas of impossibility. But like God's people in Exodus we will be brought through that impossibility by our connection with God and by him and his initiation because he goes ahead of us. And as we do our best to just keep our eyes on him, you know, like a, like a line leader when you were a kid, just keep your eyes on the front of the line, listening to him together. It's not us powering through it's not our grand efforts that will liberate us. It's, it's his love, right? It's your unfailing love. You will lead the people that you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Okay, here's another um, interesting Hebrew fact about that verse. The word that gets translated for holy dwelling, it's really hard for us to even imagine what that means because we don't, what's a holy dwelling, right? It's a place where God is. Well, in Hebrew, it can also mean holy pasture, you know, like where sheep roam, a place where shepherds are. It seems like we're supposed to remember a pretty famous Psalm 23 that I keep referencing, that when we stay connected to him, that we, he'll not only lead us to safety, but to rest. So I'm pretty convinced that part of Rebuilding the Lego blocks of our faith and reconnecting with God might mean relearning what rest really looks like. This is from Psalm 23. You've probably heard it before. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Here's an even more beautiful note about the original text. When it says, he leads me beside quiet waters, in Hebrew that literally means waters of rest. He leads me beside waters of rest. Speaking of rest, were you guys, um, do you remember, did you get woken up by that like crazy lightning storm in the middle of the night a couple weeks ago? You don't mind putting up the slide of the lightning bolt. That never happens here. I'm from the East Coast and summers are like, lightning storm extravaganzas. Like, when I was a kid, I used to 
sit on the porch on my dad's lap and we would just like watch the lightning. It would be crazy, cracking thunder. I really miss that. This is who God is. This lightning bolt's a good picture. Filled with power and strength, like the power of a lightning bolt. But he also restrains himself for our sake so that we can know him and insists in his paradoxical tenderness in the midst of his power, like a big, safe grandparent that we learn how to rest. He wants us to learn how to rest. So it says we, he makes us lie down in fresh green grass. Have you done that recently? We're all stuck behind our computers working from home, a lot of us. He restores us, refreshes us, tells us we belong to him. Do you need some restoring this morning? Do you need some restoring? I see some heads nodding. I have this unmistakable sense, like I said, that Jesus is waiting to serve you at the banquet table. He's waiting to take you on a walk outside, literally and metaphorically, to let you feel the wind on your face and the grass on your feet, and to show you what waters of rest look like. So here's what reconnecting with the Lord might look like. It means welcoming him again, just like a kid in a very simple way. One of my favorite promises in the Bible is from James 4. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. If you're looking for like a verse to just meditate on when you're in the midst of anxiety, this is a good one. It's very easy to remember. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Seems so simple, doesn't it? Here's another way that Isaiah the prophet put it, using a lot more nature imagery. So if you're one of these folks that connect with the Lord more by just going out in nature, going on a hike at Runyon, this is for you. I swept away your rebellions like a cloud and your sins like a fog. Return to me because I have redeemed you. And it goes on, the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb, says, I am the Lord, the maker of all, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. What's it look like to return to Jesus in this moment, to reconnect to him? Maybe to start to rebuild the disassembled Lego pieces of your faith. If this uh, empty socket... (laughs) put a slide up of this empty outlet. This empty socket feels like the current state of your heart. And by the way, doesn't it look like, if you look close enough, that the socket's like, ah! (laughs) I always laugh when I see that. (laughs) If this is where you are right now, like an empty socket, I feel you. I've been there. The good news is, though, that there's a promise for us that we can come near to God and he will come near to us. And returning can sometimes mean getting really quiet with him and admitting or confessing where we've fallen short of his best. Oftentimes when we get in God's presence, we'll be reminded of where he wants to do a new work in us. And letting him sweep that away, it says he sweeps away our rebellion 
and dryness, like a rain cloud, like a fog. He, he gets rid of it. He makes a clear path for us. So practically and tangibly, we actually have to plug back into the Lord. This isn't going to happen just, we're not like robots autom- automatically. We have to, we have our part to play. We actually have to put the, the plug back in the socket, so to speak. So even if we're the ha- in the habit of staying connected to God, like maybe you're feeling like, oh, everything's good with me. <laughs> you're like the 1%. Like any relationship, it, any relationship gets stale, right? Like whether it's your spouse, partner, friend, cousin, brother, sister, parent, child. You can't just go through the motions and expect relationship to be meaningful. Like intention and time goes a really long way. And the same thing is true with our relationship with the Lord. That's why we're here, to do this thing together, to try to remind each other of how to, how to get reconnected to God and stay connected. Have you ever just reconnected with a friend after years and not having spoken? I don't know, maybe you saw a post on social media or something, and you got on the phone or you were able to have brunch with them, and it's been like years, you know, maybe decades for some of us. And you just sort of pick back up where things left off. But you know that you're both very different because you've grown and things have changed. Well, if you want to continue that relationship and deepen it, there'll be a process of just sort of being honest with each other in terms of how you've both changed. And for some of us, as we maybe are returning back to church, returning back to the Lord, we may have to get really honest with the Lord in terms of how we've changed and work that out with him. And he he wants to hear from us in that way. I don't think we have to pretend that we're the same person that we were in the past giving space and honesty. So as I land this plane here, um, here's some tangible things that you can try in terms of reconnecting with God. Um, Here's how I reconnect with the Lord when I feel disconnected or have sort of been on a wandering mission. One thing that's been pretty historically helpful for me over the years is I'll get with the Lord and grab a journal and just do my best to start writing. Like, here's where I am. Here's what I'm thinking. And oftentimes, you know, this very brutally honest prayer, I mean, it doesn't always look very holy. I usually, it'll take a page or two for me to even realize, like, what am I actually, where am I? Like, how did I get here? What am I feeling? And what's so beautiful about journaling is then you can practice trying to hear what God is saying in response to you. And you can write it down, maybe in a different color, and then you can take that to a friend or a community group or a super small group or some other friends and say, does this sound like God? I'm trying to hear his voice. Because we need each other in order to be able to hear from the Lord well. Another thing I do is super simple. I take a nap. I'm not kidding. This is such a ministry to me. (laughs) Sometimes I take a nap because it resets the frenzy that I'm in. And 
I've found that the time when I can hear from the Lord the clearest is often in that like liminal space of coming out of sleep because there's nothing else that's like distracting my brain. Those are the times when I've heard the Lord say things like, I miss you. I, I really miss you in a way that almost feels like God is being vulnerable to me. Those are also the times when I felt like the Spirit is saying, that thing you keep berating yourself about, I've wiped it away. <laughs> like, you're okay. Oftentimes I can tell when it's actually the Holy Spirit's voice because God's voice is so much more kind to me than I am to me, you know? So I asked a few friends, some of them in this room, others that live on the other side of the world, people, you know, that have been walking with the Lord for a while. Like, what do you do to reconnect with God when you feel disconnected? How do you start to put the, logo, the Lego blocks back together? Some of them said, you know, I actually, like, get on my face before God. <laughs> on my own, in my bedroom, I put my face on the ground and, and tell him what I'm thinking. And that act of being prostrate before God really helps me in my body and my mind be honest and reconnect. Others said, you know, I just go for a walk. Others, like Alicia, said, I worship the Lord. I get out my instruments. She plays the piano and the guitar, and I just sing. And in singing out, sometimes spontaneous things come out and new like songs emerge. And that's like peak honesty. It's really sweet because I live on the second floor, so sometimes I can, it's like the house is filled with praises. It's really beautiful. Other friends said, you know, I might not always understand it, but just getting with God and trying to read a verse or two always recenters me back to the Lord. Just being with the Lord alone with scripture. And others said, you know, sometimes I just put on some music. It doesn't have to be worship music. I'm pretty sure God invented music, so we're meant to connect to him through it. I put on music and practice breathing to stay centered, to invite him back into my thought life. Others said, in my breathing exercises, I like breathe in a truth and then breathe out something that I refuse to let go of. Like maybe it's an anxious thought or a habit or something that you know is between you and the Lord. So breathing exercises. All relationships need time and intentionality. And that's true in our friendships, in our love relationships, and most especially in our relationship with the Lord. So my question is, how can we, as a bread community, wherever we may be in that space, how can we reprioritize time with the Lord, with our one great love? I'd love to invite the band back up for one last song, and, and as we do that, um, 
did want to say, you know, we're, we're creatures of habit, aren't we? We are prone to sort of doing the same thing over and over again and getting in these patterns. And there have been times when I realized I actually needed to recalibrate or maybe start for the first time a habit of just connecting with God. And I know that I do best when I'm sort of doing this in community with someone else. So I've done these things called like 30-day challenges. <laughs> it's going to sound very corny. But basically I would say if anybody else wants to do it, do this with me. Honestly, I need somebody right now to do this with me. You decide as a, as a pair that we're going to take time each day to spend time with Jesus in some way consecutively for 30 days. And if one of you breaks the chain, you start again at day one. And then at the very end, when you've done it together, you celebrate somehow in a, in a like, meaningful way, right? Because it takes 30 days, you know, yada, yada, to make a habit. I, I actually think that's very true. So, I, I mean, I would really challenge you guys in a sweet way. Find somebody to do that, maybe starting this week. So, in conclusion, receiving, how do we receive this type of bear hug love from the Lord? Like how do we really get reconnected, plug the, plug, plug the, plug back into the socket. There's honestly nothing better than a sustained, rich connection with Jesus where we can freely receive his love and hope. Here's a photo. You know I had to talk about LAFC because they beat the Galaxy this, this week. Here's a, here's a photo that I think shows a picture of how God is wanting to, like, bear hug us this morning. If God were a very jovial center back named Giorgio Chiellini. <laughs> Why don't you stand with me as we um, start to head into this last worship song. God wants to be near us. He's patient, and he'll wait, but think about taking the initiative and starting to reconnect with him in a deeper way. One really simple way you can do that very thing here this morning is to take initiative to come get prayer during ministry time. And there's nothing magic, there's nothing magical about that. We're just gonna put a hand on your shoulder, add our prayers to your prayers, and invite God's love to show himself to you.